Even your brain knows you're screwed. The blood is filling with adrenaline right now. Whether you know it or not, the heart's beating fast. It's getting a little harder to breathe. The neurobiological system is telling it to run. But your knees are too weak to move. Fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. That is near insanity. Do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. We are all telling ourselves a story. You're listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. 100% listener-supported radio. Reporting the danger. Unafraid. Right here, where information never sleeps. Revolution. Revolution. Radio. Today is 712-432-6958. And Studio B is 716-748-0112. Thank you very much for listening to Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station in the world. The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host... Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Nightlight. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we all call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. So we have an interesting guest tonight. We're having a little trouble getting him in. But um, let me tell you a little bit about him because I could probably talk the whole show just explaining to you what he's done, who he is, and the excitement that I have inside of me about having Andrew Brewer on the show. He's been called the rock and roll psychic and has been seen on countless major and minor TV networks. In the 2016-2017 year, uh, he was um, ranked New York's sixth, let's say, he was, he was ranked Man of the Year, Male Lightworker of the Year. He was selected for inclusion in the Lightworkers World Hall of Fame. He has top ranking in almost every category you can imagine that has to do with um, psychic and and spiritual workers of any kind. Um, he's the author of 11 books, the creator of three tarot decks, 
tarot and divination decks. He's also a film actor and has over 3,500 appearances to his credit in radio, TV, and film. So um, I'm very excited about having Andrew on tonight for a lot of different reasons. I, I have a lot of um, a lot of people who come on the show are are also psychics and mediums and channelers, and we have a lot of fun doing readings on people. But every now and then, I, I get an honor, uh, the honor of uh, being able to speak to somebody who has credentials that would choke a horse about. Uh, his career and his philosophies and his spiritual philosophies. And it's it's very exciting to have somebody like Andrew on the show because he comes from a background that is, I mean, I've, I've not actually, um, you know, gone too far into his credentials because I wanted it to be very fresh and exciting here. And it, it, as always, Freedom Slips and Skype are, are providing that kind of excitement. We are, we are trying to get Andrew in. He's there. I can see him. Um, and Deb is pulling him in on the show as we speak, hopefully. But it, it's exciting to have somebody who has worked in the field for as long as he has and, and has maintained, in spite of all of the titles and ranking that he's got, he has, he has retained his humility and I think that's one of the most important parts um, about about him that that there is a humility about him that keeps him unique and grounded uh, one of the few people I know of in this field that has been that has the kind of credentials he has that works for donation and you know I'm, I'm totally in awe of that it's a very exciting um, exciting way to um, to do to do this work and to do it honorably he also is is very into past lives which of course you all know i am so thrilled with myself so it's it's really an honor that he is uh when when i got his name i thought oh my gosh um this is going to be you know overwhelming are you there andrew i am indeed how are you I am here. I have been, you know, happily, you have credentials that would choke a horse, and I could probably spend a half hour just reading all of them. But, um, <laughs> but, but Skype is Skype, and it, it, you know, happily has let you into the show, so I couldn't be more delighted. I was telling everybody how excited I was because, in spite of your credentials, you have, um, you have not lost your humility, which I think is one of the most important things. Anybody who <laughs> serves humanity, you know, can, I mean, you've got an ego. We all have egos. But the, the sense of humility is so profoundly in everything that you've written and everything that you have put out there so that it's, it's a unique quality to have, and I hope you never lose it. Well, thank you. I, you know, I mean, you know, being a psychic ain't all that. I mean, let's, let's be honest. You know, it's just... Um, it's just a different way of processing information. It's just there is no 98% accurate psychic. I don't know all. And, um, you know, I mean, I think it's important to try to have connections with people. I think it's important to try to have a sense of balance within yourself. And so, you know, I mean, I spent a long time trying to not so much develop my psychic ability. I mean, I had psychic ability sort of all along, but the biggest issue was trying to get rid of all the emotional bits of baggage that got between me and really being able to do it, right? And being able to relate to people and being able to, you know, I mean, 
when you do things like this, and you, you've been through it too, is you know people put all these labels on you, or or you know you're evil or whatever. I mean, really, it's just a different way of trying to connect to to an information source and try to have a conversation with people that hopefully is going to help them. So oh, yeah. So there's no reason to be all that egotistical about it. You know, I mean, it is what it is. Um, well, I I so. think the thing that is so amazing that that you know people either call into the shows or come for readings and stuff like that, and then they're amazed that we can do what we say we can do. And you know, and and as you said, nobody is a hundred percent or even ninety percent. But 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 it is a form, I think, of counseling that at some point in time, I I don't want them to legalize it because then there will be restrictions and there will be rules. And what I love so much about this field is that it, it is wide. It, it's wide open. Of course, it's wide open to have cranks in there too. But but it 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 enables us to really tap into other people's emotional places and, and help them untangle some of the m- internal, m- you know, um, knots that they've tied and to understand and to confirm that, that they are a perfect spirit and that they're on a pathway and that this is whatever their, their difficulties are. It's part of the journey and, and learning how to deal with the journey is part of the life experience. I mean, absolutely. You know, when I do a lot of, I've done a lot of public predictions over the years, especially about the economy. And I tend to be very good at making predictions about the economy. But a large part of that is because I'm good at reading emotions. So when you look at economic variables, there's typically an emotional component to it. So back in 2006 and seven, when I started talking about all these issues with housing and unemployment, which no one thought was possible, but the reason I was I felt that it was likely to happen was because I looked at the emotions of all these people and I tried to reverse engineer, okay, if all these people feel like this, what caused it? So uh, the other thing that's interesting about being a psychic for me is I never get called a fake. I get called other things, right? You know, some of them not so (laughs) pleasant, but I never get called a fake, which when you think about as much as I've done it and as much attention as I have gotten, it's unusual. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are well-known, and they're always, oh, this person doesn't set all this stuff about me. I very rarely have that, and I think the reason for that is I try to be more balanced and go, you know, I ain't all that. I don't know everything. This is my opinion. <laughs> this is what I think. Uh, hopefully, this is helpful to you. Um, and, 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 you know, go from there. I mean, I say some crazy things to people. You know, I talk about past lives a lot. Uh, you know, that's a big that's a big part of my my life is really trying to understand it for myself. And, you know, I say some things that are maybe not for the average, you know, person, but I still always try to ground it in, you know, this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing the best I can. Uh, I want to try to understand myself and hopefully, you know, uh, I mean, I've been, been told that I'm very good at keeping people calm. One of my uh, a client I had said I was human Xanax, and I think I like being human Xanax, right? You know, <laughs> so I think if you look at how to help people deal with the short-term anxiety that they have, and and really find a way to look forward to possibilities, a lot of people I think come to psychics because they've been taught that they don't deserve a happy future. So. So I think it's important to try to find some silver lining in whatever black cloud is there. Um, the other thing about my career is I was a psychic in when I was young, 
then I stopped. Cold Turkey wouldn't do it at all for almost 15 years. I was actually a corporate executive during that time. I'd been a psychic on TV in my 30s, and in my 40s and early 50s, I was an IT analyst. And then I went back and did it again in my mid-50s. But, um, but I think, you know, you have to, to try to find ways to be nice to people. I think you have to try to find a way to find the spiritual component to it, the, the human component to it. Uh, for people who want, you know, psychic to know everything, well, I hate it for you, that ain't me. But I don't think that's anybody, right? And so, so I'm much more concerned with trying to help people feel empowered. I mean, I make predictions. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty good at making predictions, but I'm not infallible at making predictions by a long way. And a lot of that is just in, in terms of, of my own focus. Um, so, so anyway, so whatever my credentials might be, you know, whatever contests I want or whatever, um, you know, again, it's just, I think, a reflection of trying to be nice to people and being consistent. And, um, you know, I, mean, I think that goes a long way. I hope that makes sense. Well, it does, and and I think what most people don't realize about people who are in this field is that that you know it's sort of it's sort of like being the the um, Cub Scouts' son or or the Brownie leader's daughter that that because we're in the field, it it doesn't mean that we know it all. We've experienced a lot of it, certainly, and and my my philosophy is that no teacher should ever try to teach a lesson they haven't experienced. And, and, you know, the older I get, the, the, obviously the broader the spectrum of what I can, can say, oh, I know I've been there. I know what that feels like, but, but it's sort of like, I think they, they really have the impression sometimes that we have all the answers and therefore, you know, we can give them to them. And the reality is not only do we not have all the answers that, you know, somebody once said to me, what are your, what to those who follow you think about you? And, and I, I said, I'm horrified to think anyone's following me because I don't know where I'm going. And it, it just, it's, it's sort of like the expectations that because we can bring information and share information with them that, that we must know it all. And we don't, we're in the same boat they're all in. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's important to, to have a sense of, um, of balance with it, right? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy to get caught up in the hoopla. It's easy to get caught up in, yeah, I must be really cool because I've been on TV, but it's not that big of a deal. And I think the other important thing is that, you know, when you look at spiritual evolution, right, I mean, if you think, for, for me personally, you know, I was one of those little kids, you know, like when they were two and three that had past life visions, and I, I'm sort of a unique child, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, but for me, it was about trying to understand myself and trying to be happy with myself and, and to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. Those were the things that drove me to try to understand it. And I think that that process that I went through is a process a lot of other people go through. So, so there's an empathy that I feel for other people who are struggling to figure out what it's all about. Because if you know what you want, you typically get it. The problem is that most people are conditioned to think what they should want, and it has nothing to do with what they really are about. You know, And so trying to extract the messages that have been bombarded and, you know, injected into your head that are really irrelevant to you and to find your real core, to me, that, that's, that's the issue. I mean, that's what we're really trying to figure out. 
like uh, it's a lot more glamorous to to you know kind of have a certain kind of demeanor about how you do it. But I think you have to demystify it. I mean, I can maybe be more because I made a lot of predictions that have come true, um, and made a lot of public predictions that have come true. I have a certain element of street cred in that. But even with that, you know, I will say, you know, I said this and it didn't happen. I, I'll go back and repeat not only the ones I got correctly, but the ones I missed when they when they don't uh-huh. pass. But but again, I, I think it's about trying to help people to feel good about themselves and also help them to to feel empowered to make a choice that's their choice based on the essence of who they are rather mm-hmm. than accommodating somebody else's vision that may have nothing to do with them. That's yeah, and I think, <clears throat> I think that's one of, the biggest, um, one of the biggest causes I'm seeing today is, is, is helping people to understand that, that they are the ones that are in control of their reality and their future, and that, that it's, it's how they perceive their reality. They're creating it, and, and to say to somebody, you know, you have all the answers, you have all the tools. It's a matter of reaching for them and empowering yourself. No one can do it for you. And um, every now and then somebody gets very angry and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, what do you mean? I'm, I'm miserable and I'm this and I'm that and I'm this and I'm that. And it's like, well, okay, let's look at it. Let's, let's, why are you and how can you change? And, and, how does your attitude play into this? We do become therapists on some level. Um, cer- certainly, I don't have therapeutic credentials, but but you know, a lot of times people just want to be the victim, and they don't understand that they don't have to be the victim. No, I mean, I think that that's absolutely true, and that's probably a bigger component of my work than just making a bunch of predictions. I mean, sometimes it's appropriate to do that, and sometimes it's appropriate to be um, more of a psychiatrist in some sense, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and then sometimes it's good to be a cheerleader. It just depends, you know, and that, and that, can, that can change. There's a certain fluidity. I mean, I never do any two the same way because people aren't the same, and plus even long-term people who come back a lot you know, their situation changes, their state of mind changes, their their needs are different. And so, you know, what was appropriate for them six months ago may not be appropriate for them now. And I think it's important to always be as much as you can be in the moment, have clarity within yourself. I try to, I mean, I always say that it kind of is a blanket statement, but I think it's true that you don't make things happen as much as you align yourself with the energy in which things can happen. And so for me as a psychic, as an astrologer, whatever you want to call me, it's important for me to get into a space of harmonics within myself that's like what what a competent psychic would be. What are the things, what are the lifestyle choices that you would make that would help you be better? Well, one of them is to try to not have a crazy life so you can stay calm. There's a, there's a lot of things that that we do to become in resonance with um, the state of being in which we can we can excel as much as possible. So I try to help people to to find ways to get into that space for themselves as much as they can, and look at why they might choose unconsciously, of course, but why they might choose not to be in that space. You know, sometimes people have disruption and chaos 
because it serves a purpose. You know, they may not be aware that it serves a purpose, but we want to look at what that purpose is. You know, a pattern is a pattern until it becomes a lesson. So what part of what I try to do is to help find a lesson in it so that it can be absorbed, appreciated, and then more conscious choices. I mean, I'm over that. I mean, I don't need to do that anymore. I don't want those kinds of relationships. I don't want this kind of behavior. I want to make a more conscious choice or we need to understand as much as possible what might be driving the reason you're making these choices already. There's some script that's in your head. Is this past life? Is this from when you're two? Where's it coming from? Let's try to look at it. I mean, I'm not saying it this way, but I mean, really, when you, when you break down what I'm doing, this is the mm-hmm. behind the scenes of, of, of what's driving um, the conversation. Well, Again, I think I also what, what I'm impressed with is that you, you have, I think, the same kind of attitude as I do. Is you're constantly growing. You're constantly working on yourself as well so that you are able to um, bring to the table each time you come to the table a new level of understanding that you have within yourself that you can help other people to, to reach and, and apply to their own life too. And so many practitioners don't continue to grow and stretch and work on themselves. And that's, that's um, one of my main complaints about a lot of the, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to say the young kids coming up here <laughs> that are, that are practitioners. I, I like old school. I like, um, I like getting more into the, the, the spiritual philosophies that are, that are driving you in what direction, you know, you're going. And that to me is far more exciting than, you know, than. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that totally because, I mean, in the old days, it was considered normal for people who were seekers to spend a long time and, and make an effort to do it. You know, I mean, it, it's not something you can do in a three-day seminar, right? You know, now <laughs> it's this instantaneous kind of thing, okay? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I might have been just as psychic in 1979 as I am now. I've, I've actually said this. But the difference between what I was like as a 24-year-old and what I'm like as a 61-year-old, light years in difference in the way I relate to myself and the way I relate to tension and the way I relate to other people and what I've read and learned over the years and the experience. I mean, a a big part of it is knowing how to deal with people. And so the bedside manner and the way in which you understand people is going to evolve, you know, over time, you know, I mean, hopefully it's going to evolve and that's important not to get caught up in, you know, again, it's what I see. Well, you know, maybe, but it's also how you, talk about what you see and how you help other people to find something that helps them. It's not all about what you see. It's about, it's about how helpful and empowering you can be to other people. And there's yeah. a difference between that. And I don't think everyone really remembers that all the time. Well, yeah, yeah. I think it's critical. Yeah. And not only that, but um, people who are quote unquote psychic, um, you know, get a symbol, get a vision, get a whatever. But, but I think that at least, I, I think at least 50% of the whole thing is the art of giving the message as well. And that is something that comes with time and training. No, and, I, I agree with that totally. I mean, it's one thing to see it in your head, but I mean, lots of times as a clairvoyant, I'll see something, it'll be like some crazy looking thing. I don't know how to describe that. And you try to figure out, well, it looks like this, and it's this tall and it's, you know, I don't know what it is. And so, so it's, 
so there is the image, there's the initial input, and then there is the way to describe it and the way to carry on a conversation about it. So, so there's multiple layers along the way. So if you think about a psychic greeting, they're from like a communication model. Well, if you mm-hmm. can't get any information, the game's over right from jump. You know, I mean, if you can't, <laughs> you just totally can't see anything, the game's over. But you might see it and not be able to describe it very well. You could also see it and describe it well, but the other person on the other end has a very finite way in which they will receive information. So your styles of communication don't mesh. So there's different from, a, like, again, if you look at a communication model kind of, almost like diagram it out, right? There, there are different places where it can go wrong. It's important to stay calm throughout because if you allow yourself to let the first kind of sign of, of you know, complication freak you out, then you got an issue. Mm-hmm. I'm re- I have a lot of confidence because I've done it a long time. I have a history of being fairly good at it. And I'm pretty calm and whatever. So all those things help me in situations in which maybe when I was 25 or 30 years old, I might not have been able to get through them. Now I can ride the wave and kind of surf my way through it, and it's, it's all going to be zen and it's all going to be fine. And oh, that's yeah. the biggest difference between being a 61-year-old and being a 24-year-old. At least oh, that's a professional yeah. cycle. I, I usually tell people who are going to go for readings and I, you know, I highly encourage, you know, if, if that's your, if you want to go and get a whole bunch of, you know, readings at a psychic fair or whatever, you know, go for it. Um, but, but I always say to them, listen to how the messages are given. If they say they think this, then they're coming from, from their intellect and they're not coming from their spirit. If they say, I feel, or I see, pay closer attention. Because because if somebody is thinking about giving you a reading, they're not in, in my opinion, they're not in the right place to give you the information that you need to, that you need to hear. And uh, I'm, I'm very cognizant of how I say things to people. I mean, if if I get to the place where I'm saying I think, then then it's you know I step back and say you know let me take a breath here, <laughs> and. Um, and then I go back to the, this is what I feel and this is what I'm seeing. And, you know, let's help me interpret this a little bit better because I, this is, this is exactly what I'm seeing, but I'm not sure what it means to you. So it's, um, it's definitely, there's an art to it. And, and I think if anything over the years, and I've been in the field a long time, that, that there is definitely an art and a skill to being able to give someone information in a way that they can receive it and and take it in and use it as is most appropriate for them without putting my own spin on it. Well, I agree with that 100%. Absolutely. I think that that's um, beautiful. I I agree with that totally. It's it's most important to remember that we are problem solvers. And, Uh And so... You know, I can be Sherlock Holmes as much as much as Nostradamus, and if it helps solve the problem, it helps solve the problem. You know, sometimes I just know things intellectually. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not afraid to to dip into whatever buckets are most appropriate at the time. But ultimately, it's not about showing... Lots of things I could show off and I'm more psychic if it was just about making predictions to prove that. But I don't feel I have to prove it. My My major emphasis is... What can I do that is helpful and polite 
and respectful, and that hopefully when people leave, they feel better about their prospects and they have some sort of strategy for how to make their lives better. You know, it's not enough to say, I see this happening. It has to be a way to help grease the wheel for people to get to that. So if you see a, you see a future unfolding and you see what's perhaps between them and having that unfolding future, I think it's also appropriate to look at the emotional state of mind and what they can do or, you know, what are the, what are the precursors to getting into alignment with energy that would make that happen. So, so there's a lot of layers to it. You know, I tend to have my own kind of weird way of describing it perhaps, but, but I think all these things are really going on at a very, you know, like super fast level. So I'm really trying to break down the various components to it. I don't think of it at the, at the time exactly in these, in this way, but when you step back and, and think about what you did, I think this is kind of what's going on. I think, mm-hmm. you know, so. Well, would you, would you, yeah, I hope that makes sense. yeah, it does to me. Um, would you agree that that on some level um, there's been a shifting of consciousness? There's been I I, I I guess the best way I described it the other day was that that awareness has gone into hyperspeed because people are becoming more and more and more aware of a lot of things that are going on in this world that that they haven't been that that there has been. Yeah, and I'm not saying everyone is a light worker, and I'm not saying everyone has ascended into total, you know, awareness or anything like that. But there is a greater acceptance of the fact that there is a spiritual realm out there, that there there are different ways of wor- working with things and looking at things, and that that I mean, 50 years ago, if people knew what I did, I I would have been fired. I would have lost my job, and. When I when I finally got really close to you know retiring from from the mundane world so to speak, um, I was I was giving readings in my classrooms to teachers over the lunch hour, so that and, and that was a long time ago. So that so that today, um, this field that we're in is is a more accepted field than ever before, and people are striving to stretch themselves into greater understanding and connection to their own higher consciousness and the spirit within. Well, I mean, I've got up to a point. I've said pretty much the same thing for the last three or four years. But there's there's also this side of the coin. I've been on television. I've made movies. I've written books. I've been voted, you know, the number five psychic in the world and all these things. But when I meet people, I don't tell them what I do which is interesting, right? Because I have kind of an interesting life and, you know, I might have clients, but I'm very closed about it. You know, I have this kind of jock, you know, vibe and that's, that's where I play off. And so for me, I'm still, even with all the attention that I've gotten, uh, I'm still hesitant to, to bring it out into the public. You know, I do it online, but in real life, I tend to be somewhat guarded with it. Mm-hmm. I was also a corporate executive. I was a, you know, back in the early 90s, I did a three ninety nine a minute infomercial called Cabrina Psychic Answer with Cabrina Kincaid. And, you know, I was on TV 24 hours a day, every day for over a year and a half. And then I left that world and went and became an IT executive. I became a corporate executive. I was an executive at Enron and Chevron and a bunch of, like, major corporations. 
During that time, I didn't say anything about being a psychic. And when I came back and became a psychic again, um, and I started to get more and more attention, I was always kind of nervous, like, about letting people know my name or letting them see my picture with the idea that if I ever wanted to go back into that world, then it would stop me. And I'm inclined to think that I would never... I think it would be very difficult for me to go back and be a very high-end kind of corporate executive being the rock and roll psychic. I believe that. <laughs> so so I think that even though there is a there's a difference, I would agree with that. I think there is a more pervasive sense that people are open to it. At the same time, I think there is a kind of, for a lot of people, they are equally adamant to shut it down. So as we become more out in the open and accept it, we also become in some sense more of a, an open target. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, it's it's a different kind of dynamic. Oh, so, that, that element is always out there. There's no, and, and I don't, I don't think that, well, I don't think the day will ever come when there, there isn't a cynic left, but um, right. they're my favorite targets. <laughs> Yeah, I used to be the, the kind of the designated go-to person to talk to skeptics because I'm very intellectual and I have this kind of whatever demeanor and I, I was a corporate executive and I was, a, you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. but now I'm more like, that's your headspace. I appreciate that. I'm not going to strain myself to try to convince you. I am who I am. I'm happy with who I am. And I think a lot of that too for me is that in the in the olden days, back when I was in my fifties, right when I was a young sprout, um, <laughs> I was more searching for acceptance. Now I'm like, you know, I'm going to be sixty-two next month. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. You know, I don't care. Um, there's, there's a, and I think that that attitude is really a greater reflection of my evolution than anything else that's happened to me, where I do have this sense of, um, I, I don't need validation for it. And, and when I was younger, I needed validation. Am I good at this? Is it reality? Is it possible? Am I crazy? Now I, I don't have this. I mean, I think every, every young aspiring anybody, you know, as an artist or a, certainly as an intuitive empath and any level, has gone through this. I don't. I don't think it's possible to not go through it. Oh yeah. And and I went through it a lot, but I don't have that in the same way now. I think I've I've had enough life experience and enough validation in the ways in which I've had it that I don't. Those kinds of questions don't torment me as they did when I was younger. And torment is a kind of an appropriate word because it was kind of torment. I was like, oh my mm-hmm. god, what am I doing? You know, am I okay? You know. But I, I don't feel that now. I'm, I'm much, I'm much more laid back with it. I go, yeah, this is this is what it's about. So you know, the other thing too is that, you know, it always comes back for me to a sense of religion, a sense of spirituality, mm-hmm. and and I don't look at being psychic so much as the be all end all. I look at does this life path help me to understand myself and my relationship to God, and does it give me a sense of how to live my life? You know, what we look for when we go to a church or any other kind of religious aspiration. To me, that's still 
the main focal point is I'm trying to understand my place in the universe. I'm trying to understand what it all means. Where, is, where do I come from? Where am I going next? Those are the things that drive my behavior. And the fact that I've developed this talent, you know, uh, it's beautiful, but it's still secondary to me to this other pursuit. Well, uh, yeah, and I, I would agree with you on that. I think um, somebody a long time ago um, who was, who was I, I think they were reading me, and they said, oh, you should do this work full time. And I said to them, well, you know, when I get to where I'm going, if there's a crowd around, I'll talk to them. And, and he, he, he gave me the, the best piece of advice. I'm not going to thank him because the reading really wasn't that good. But that the information was, he said, it is your journey that is the teaching tool, not that you arrive. Nobody cares if you arrive or not. <laughs> it's your journey that you can use as a teaching tool. And that's what is going to serve you and the people that you work with far better. And it was true. And, and, you know, it's sort of like, it's for me, an exciting thing to, to, to know that, that every day I'm learning something more that will expand my understanding of me and, and that enables me to share it with other people. So it's, it's a journey and it has to be a constant journey. And if, if you're not growing, you don't have anything new to give people. And I've been in this field a very long time and it, it amazes me that, that, you know, people will come back after 20 or 30 years and, and, you know, say, well, let's let's take another stab at this because I learned a lot last time. So, you know, I was a teacher by trade. I taught special ed so that I really feel that the element of teacher is in anybody who does this work. And, and it, it helps us to share our own understanding and our own depth of perception and our own sense of contentment with other people to kind of say, you know, somebody once said to me, you just don't believe what I've been through. You wouldn't believe what I've been through. And, it, it you know, I, I looked at her and I said, you know, if we're going to play, you know, a measuring game here, I said, I'm pretty sure I'll beat you. But that's not the point of the visit. And I think that, that most people who are still in this field are still functionally in this field and are still, um, you know, drawing people to them um, be it's because they're conquering their own demons and, and because of that experience, they're able to help other people recognize and conquer their own. No, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I came up with a term a long time ago. I call it the shamanic rotor Well, the shamanic rotor sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's like, cut, it hurts. You know, you go through these trials and tribulations and, People don't sign up for shaman college. I mean, they come in the middle of the night and say, hey, by the way, you've been recruited, you've been drafted, hello, here you go. You're like, hey, excuse mm-hmm. me. Uh, and, and so, you know, when you go through these things, it's painful, it's confusing. And when you're cut up and ripped up, you don't know if you'll ever be put back together and you don't know what that's going to look like. So going through the shamanic rotor and coming out the other side, there's a power that comes from that. Partly that's the power of recognition. Partly it's the power of survival. And um, and it's the power of faith, too. You know, I mean, you have to have faith that um, the things you see can happen. You have to have faith that it's okay for good things to happen to you. There's, there's a lot of elements that go into it. But, um, but yeah, I had a series of uh, kind of unfortunate events that hurt 
And I go, oh, oh yeah, you could have just told me about that, but evidently not. I think you, I have to experience <laughs> it. And so telling me wouldn't be enough. And, um, and so we go through these things, you know, we go through experiences that are maybe painful or disruptive or whatever, and we think of this as terrible. But, but your past is very fluid. You know, it takes on a different context based on, on sort of how it's helped you or hurt you. And say, maybe this really slowed me down, but, but as a result of it, I learned this, and now I'm able to use this. And so it helped me, but it hurt me, you know, short term. Uh-huh. So, so I think it's important to always have that vantage point that the inconvenience or the pain may have a purpose, and it may be something that um, is useful. And I try to find the useful in people's lives to try to help them to make the most of it. Again, I hope I'm making sense. I realize I'm sort of being oh. very philosophical here, but, but that's well, I, the way I look at it. Well, and I call those my two-by-four moments. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I, I have the philosophy, I understand the philosophy and and, and um, preach it often, but every now and then I forget to apply it to myself. And when the universe wants to get my attention, you know, the subtleties are lost on me most of the time. But, but you know, if you hit me with a two by four, I'll sit down and say, ow. And, okay, so what am I supposed to be looking at here? And without fail of late knock on wood, um, it hasn't taken me as long as it used to take me to figure out what the universe wants me to do and, and, you know, or, or the changes or the alterations that need to be put in effect in order for my forward journey to continue. But, uh, you know, I, Barbara, had, what, do you, what do you think that suggests? I mean, in my own opinions, but what do you think that means? What did I, the, uh, what, did I get hit by a two-by-four or a spirit wants me going in another direction? Or, no, what do you think it means that it doesn't take you as long to catch on to it now? Oh, well, it used to be um, when something traumatic happened, I would I would get lost in, in, you know, the, oh, woe is me or why is this happening to me or what's wrong with me or, or all of that. And and actually now, um, if if something happens that's you know stops me dead in my tracks and and it 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 has happened more frequently than not um i will sit down and and you know i'll go through the owl and then it's like okay so what do i need to shift in my reality because i'm not i i'm obviously hitting a brick wall so what do i need to alter within my reality that will allow me to start to move forward. And, and as I alter things, then, then I feel a greater flow and things start to sort of fall into place again. I, I think that, that our journey this lifetime um, does require us to, to recognize that, that there is a flow. And when we get out of that flow, we either go aground or we hit a brick wall or whatever. Sometimes for me, it's a, um, it's a physical um, thing that, that, um, I used to, I used to do psychic fairs with a friend of mine, um, long time ago. And I did almost 20 years of, you know, 56 fairs a year. And it got to the point where I was saying to myself, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not liking this. I'm not feeling good about it. And I didn't make the change. I didn't say, you know, this isn't just, this doesn't work for me anymore. I need to go in another direction. And I had an accident and I fell on both of my knees on a concrete floor. Um, 
I didn't break anything, but I was certainly put on hold for um, a good six months. And during that time, I realized, you know, if I had recognized what it, it's kind of like when people say, I don't like this job, I don't like this job, I hate this job, and then they get fired and they're surprised. Um, you know, if you're putting out there, you don't like it and you don't want to do it and you don't make that shift and change, the universe helps you make it. And the universe is not exactly gentle in its manner of helping you along your pathway. It's sort of like it's a boot in the pants. And the subtleties are there if you catch them. And if you catch them ahead of time, then you don't need, you know, the two by four in the face. So um, I would agree with everything that you said. And I think that that really is the purpose of what we do. And I think the fact that you can say, okay, this is happening. There's something I should look at changing within myself. Most mm-hmm. people want to change the externals. But what the, but the reality is you change the internal. You change your relationship to the event. You change your relationship to the flow. And so if you want to change a situation, you change the brain. You change, mm-hmm. and the brain is not going to change unless you really look at the emotions driving what goes on in the brain. I, I don't think that the brain is really deceived at all. I, I really do believe that consciousness is non-local, that we sort of tap into something. It's like it's in a cloud. Oh, yeah. You want to use a computer model. But, but the important thing is that in looking at what might not be working, rather than complain about the things not working, the real evolved people, and what you're saying to me is an indication of evolution, a very positive indication of a high level of evolution, is to say, okay, this is telling me something about myself. What should I do about it? And, you know, it, and that's, that's the important thing. What should I do? How can I flip my script so that these things are not happening? Or if they continue to happen, that they're not slowing me down. You know, it's, sometimes it's a, it's a matter of changing the way you respond to a series of events. Again, mm-hmm. ah, this just annoyed the hell out of me, but now I don't even care. It's, you know, I just see this inconvenience and I just go on. Well, I think the the one thing that that you're you're absolutely right, and and so many people can you know listen to what we've just said and say, oh, I tried that, it changed it, it didn't work. And the reality is, it isn't just changing one hour or one day; it's changing your life. It's living your life differently. It's your intent. Yeah, you have to change your brain, not just at the point of contact. Again, you, you get into a certain kind of rhythm with yourself, mm-hmm. and that takes time. I always look at, like with, with training psychics, I talk about decluttering the psychic world. Well, what does that mean? Okay, well, you're either psychic or you're not. You're either clairvoyant or you're not. There's no three-day seminar. I don't care who you went with how much you paid for it. If you, don't have, if you weren't when you started, you're not when you get out of it. You just have a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. But you may have it and not know it because it's buried, you know, it's a pearl that's buried under 5,000 pounds of, of ash. Getting rid of that and being motivated to continue to dig for it, that's important. So that's the decluttering part. Yeah, there's things you can do to sort of help you, little tricks, but it's about looking at the emotion. It's about understanding limitations. And limitations are learned, more often than not. 
Mm-hmm. And so we learn these limitations, and they have a validity all their own. Well, sometimes you shift your perspective. You find that that wasn't a limitation after all. You just got used to it, you know? And you continue to reinforce it when it was long since past its usefulness. Yeah, um, I've, I've often said that, that often being in the groove is wonderful, but if you just stay in the singular groove, it becomes a rut, and sometimes it becomes so deep, you have to truly break out. Well, I mean, I think the important thing is to be um, not limitless, because I don't know that any of us have had evolved but to really restrict the ways in which we accept limitations. Okay, so when I went into working in business, I didn't have any background. I was a psychic on TV. I was an English major in college and dropped out of that and just did what I wanted to do, and I was sort of an outlaw and my own own thing. But I said, you know, I'm going to figure this out. And within a couple of years, I was making, you know, $20,000 a month as an IP analyst, literally within two years. And so, because I decided, okay, I can figure this out, and I learned the language, I learned the ways in which they talk to sort of mimic their body language, you know, and it was, once I figured out the kind of the semantics, it was easy. It really was easy. People think it's complicated. It's not that complicated. But, but I had to give up the idea that if I didn't have an MBA or I didn't have experience, I couldn't do this. Well, I gave up those limits. When I was an actor in Hollywood, I started getting jobs all the time, and I would people would say, "Well, that's impossible." I got to realize it's impossible. This is what's happening to me. And so, if I showed up, I'm in a movie. If I'm in this movie, I'm an actor. You're, you're paying me. You know, there, there's the food, there's craft services. If I'm in this film, I don't have any second guesses about whether I'm a professional actor. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in a bunch of movies. If I'm here, I'm an actor. I don't have. I don't worry about it because I'm here, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm in a relationship as a psychic. I know I've done it in the past. I know I'm relatively good at it. I have a belief in myself. I'll find there's nobody that I can't read. I'll figure something out. I will have some relationship to that person. They will walk away feeling better about it. Mm -hmm. So there's that core belief, but that belief comes over time. And the belief is really a refusal to let limitations get out of control. I refuse to let my fears about being limited limit me, if, if, that, if that makes any sense. So I've, there's, I've there's often... a style that you get into where you go, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be empowered. I'm not going to let fear or my ancient history derail me. It might you know, cause the tracks to shake a little bit, but I'm going to find a way to move forward. I've, and, I've and always that's, that's found, I've always found though that that you know if I come out if I if I actually say well I have this limitation, then then I know that okay I don't like to be limited I just hate it I mean even if it's for my own good I hate it so it's how can I turn this into a tool that I can use to move forward with, and um, you know a long time ago I had a car accident and I had I I have vertigo. And, you know, initially right after the accident, I usually hit the floor on a regular basis. And I said to my mother sometime, you know, I'm going to have to um, get the names of a lot of carpet companies. And she said, why? And I said, I'm on the floor so often. Why not make a profit and let me, you know, investigate the pile? And, and yeah, that's awesome. yeah. 
and and you know and it it, it then it, then I used it to my advantage because um, I could always you know grab a good looking man's arm and say I'm sorry I have vertigo I really need to just stabilize me for a minute or so it was the greatest come online ever and it 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 has served my me you know for for decades actually. I don't actually have vertigo anymore, but every now and then it's it's lots of fun to use it a little bit. But you know, when when something happens that really prevents you from the full expression of your being, if you can turn it into a gift instead of you know a limitation, it makes life a lot more fun. It no, really I does. agree with that. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, when, when you think about the conversation, if you look at what we've talked about for the past hour, we've talked very little about being a psychic. What we've really talked about is being an optimist. Yes. And and so, like, I made a lot of predictions in about the economy going bad. I read a book called Commonly Distance and Blowback Economy. It said the housing prices are going to drop dramatically. It's going to be long-term unemployment. I did... In the weeks leading up to President Obama's inauguration, I did a series of radio shows called The Great Depression of 2009. Well, people hated that. They said I was negative. I made a bunch of predictions about earthquakes. They happened. Then they said I caused the earthquakes. So they thought about them. I mean, crazy stuff like that. Uh-huh. But, but the moral of this particular story was that I was being called a negative person because I made predictions about things that nobody wanted to hear. But what I said was, if my job is to be a psychic, and this is what I see happening, and I say it's going to happen and it does, I wasn't being negative. I was trying to be helpful by saying this is, you know, what I see. Mm-hmm. And so, so the negative connotation was a label that had nothing to do with the intention. And so, um, you know, it's important to remember that we have a power to make choices. We have a power to to be grounded in a higher, you know, kind of a higher purpose. So getting back to the optimism and the negativity, I was still optimistic that good things were going to happen. And what I was trying to say was, these things, I believe, are inevitable. Get ready. Yeah. But they're not going to be the end of the world. And if we are aware of it and we can see that this is part of this progression, then it's not going to stop us. It's going to inconvenience us. But it's not going to stop us. Right. So my desire to be helpful was grounded in a sense of optimism, even though in the short term it was perceived, perceived excuse me, as being negative by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, want... you can make changes in your life if you believe that you can make changes in your life. Again, I don't mean to sound all you know, new age and law of attraction too much, but there's a truth <laughs> to it. And, oh, yeah. Um, I just, I want to, I want to kind of, we're getting close to the top of the hour. At some point in here, music is going to start playing and we'll have about a three to five minute break and then come back again. So uh, just so you know, to mute your phone for that five minutes, unless you want to talk over the ads, which is not a good idea. (laughs) Well, I will see you in about five minutes. I'm going to run and grab something to drink and I will be right back. Thank you. Okay. Well, when that happens, you'll hear the music. You'll know we're coming in. Okay. Um, but you know, it, I think one of the things that I want to get into in the second hour here is, is, um, some of the, 
some of the patterns that we both see coming for the next, um, I would say the next, not, not just the year, but maybe the next decade, because there are a lot of things that, that you know, I do predictions as well. And I've, I've seen this, the um, New Madrid fault line going off again for the last three years. I keep predicting it. I didn't this year. So this is going to be the year that it goes. But um, there, are, there are a lot of patterns that, that seem to be out there that, as you said, you know, it, it, you know just be aware that this, this could happen and be prepared. And uh, it's, it's kind of interesting because I really feel that the, the country is going through a, a massive change. And I think it's all positive. I, you know, I, I, you know I, I'm a little upset about um, how people are reacting to the changes that are coming, but it does really feel to me as though they're good changes, and, you know, with, with hope. Well, I mean, the emotional reaction is, um, is the impetus to how it's going to roll out. Oh, yeah. Action is, is a result of collective emotion. So when you look at making predictions about things on a global level, what you're really looking at is a collective emotion. So, yeah, we'll talk about this thing. Yeah, and, and the other one I want to look into because I saw it and I don't know where you got the name. Where did the rock and roll psychic come from? Yeah, well, so the rock and roll psychic, if anybody will ask me if I'm musical, I'm not musical. But the way that, I mean, not really musical, but the way that that name came about was sort of guilt by association. And I had a lot of clients who were musicians. And so <laughs> as a result of having a bunch of musician clients, I ended up with that name. We'll talk about that after the break. Okay, that's great. I'll see you in a few minutes. And this is Nightlight. If you like what you're hearing, click over to the support page and make a donation to help us keep this amazing station up and running. Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com is totally listener supported. From the owner 
to the hosts, to the producers that we can't live without. Thank you, Deb. To the staff, all are working here because we love the work and are dedicated to putting out quality material for all of you, be it large or small. Every donation is greatly appreciated and helps us all keep on supplying information and material to educate and hopefully enlighten you. That isn't found anywhere else. Okay, so we are back to the rock and roll psychic. <laughs> I think, are, are you there, Andrew? I am here. Thank you. So, so I, I wanted to really kind of um, look into... What you see coming, what I see coming for, you know, this this next year especially, it, it feels as though we're at a time of amazing change. We're at a time when whether or not we want to make a shift, we are we are shifting. And and it's sort of like you go with the flow and you shift or or you don't and you're dragged along on, on the rocks on the bottom until you decide that maybe the flow is a good idea. So well, I mean, I, I think there are going to be some serious complications. Okay. So, I mean, I think there's serious, and I always talked about the last few years, the exploding cigar, and, this, and the place that I looked at the exploding cigar was the EU. So I said at some point there's going to be in the hot potato that's the you know global economy, someone's going to have a serious outcome. And last year I talked a lot about banks, especially Italian banks. The Italian banks are now in the... In the in a much more obvious mess. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I would talk about a few years ago, <clears throat> excuse me, was a change in the political schema of Europe, that they would be much more right-wing, nationalistic. And when you think of the EU, EU I mean, I think they're going to go back. I think the EU is likely to split up. Yeah. Um, you know, we've already seen England leave, but I think you're going to see more people leave because there's this nationalism. And now that there's the refugee crisis within Europe, it really is kind of a, a mess in a lot of respects. So I think that there's going to be serious economic issues that happen, specifically in Europe, but those things are going to be across the board. Uh, I think the United States is in for some complications. And, and you know, so I looked at 2017, you know, I said, well, you know, hey, my, usually I make a lot of very specific predictions, but for 2017, my prediction, you know, to be kind of flippant was this, a bunch of people arguing with each other. And that was my prediction for 2017. I said, that's where it's going to be. You're going to have a lot of people that are fighting about minutia, just, you know, have a good time, try to tune it out, live your life the way you go. So I think that there will be some very distinct problems across the board. At the same time, you know, I mean, I think there is a sense where you could tune a lot of it out. You're looking at tremendous changes, in my opinion, tremendous changes in the ways in which business is conducted within the United States. You're going to see a lot more unemployment, I believe. You're going to see a lot of things that are complicated. Um, I think that for the most part, I think 2017 has kind of a happy energy to it, but it has it has a lot of complexities to it. Um, and I and I think that there is this polarization that's happening within the United States that's really complicated in a lot of respects. I talked years back 
uh, actually initially I said it in the 1980s, I said the 1930s will replay again within my lifetime because the same people will be, you know, doing it again. So a lot of those people are, in, in my way of thinking, reincarnated. They're, they're sort of having the same kinds of issues. And a lot of those issues that I talked about years ago are now happening. So what are those issues? There's a, there's again a polarization. There's a, there's a, an issue with the perceptions of the police. There's a lot of issues in terms of, of believability in, in terms of people not feeling, um, they're not buying into whatever they're being told. Mm-hmm. So just as we can build a case that there is an enlightenment that's happening because people are more spiritual, there is a sort of an unenlightenment happening on a political level because I think more and more people are backing away from a faith in the system. As a result of that, my expectation is that on a collective level, we're going to see a lot of disruption. Um, but I think Europe is where the real pain is going to be the most pervasive. Um, and I think it's likely to get entertaining. I mean, that, that's my high level version of it. I mean, okay. I don't want to hog this because I want you to, you know, but, but that's the way I feel it's going to play out. The economic issues that I talked about specifically beginning in 2016, most of those things happen or certainly beginning to happen specifically with, with the economy in Europe. And I think that as Europe, and I also talked a lot about issues with Russia and the Ukraine. Those things are happening. So we, we've got a volatility within the area around, you know, the southern part of, of Russia and the Ukraine and, and, you know, the Crimea area of Georgia and Turkey. Um, you know, certainly disruptions in the Middle East. It's complicated. And uh, my expectation is it gets more complicated. Yeah, I, so I would, I, think. I, you know, I, I, I I think I totally agree with you. I've just said it in different ways. <laughs> um, but I, the unsettlement, I definitely felt. Um, the the element of large corporate entities having to be broken up into smaller corporate entities, very much like what happened with the Ma Bell thing. Um, I, I see that happening to several large corporate entities this coming year. And the other thing that, that happened, the other night I had a guest that didn't show up, so I, I just did predictions for the next year. And one of the things that came up was that that there, there were going to be new countries created in, in the European area, the, the, you know, countries that were going to be divvied up or, or, rec- or new countries were going to be created. Borders were no, going that's, to be totally, that's totally plausible to me because because I think the, that Europe is is really complicated in that we've had this perception of Europe with Germany especially as being a very enlightened place and and I think that that there's a tension in Europe that's unique now that's way different than it was five years ago. There's an anti-Semitism that's happening there. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of complexities. It would not surprise me that countries are formed, reformed from areas maybe from the 1800s. You know I mean? We may go back to the Habsburgs and all sorts of things. So having splits 
much like if, let's say, North Carolina and Tennessee and Georgia all want to be their own country, it would be similar to that, I think, in Europe. I think Mm -hmm. that's a reasonable thing to say. You're likely to see some of the stronger economies in Europe say, you know, I'm over it. You all made your mess. You need to figure it out yourselves. So there could be a big splintering effect that happens within Europe. Uh, I, I think Europe's got issues. And and so so I would buy that as a totally legitimate way in which that is um, that that evolution takes place. You know, the countries are divided not so much by the old borders as much by a collective interest. Just like you know, California might not get along with you know Alabama. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it, the redistribution feels more as though it is along cultural lines rather than um, political lines. I, 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 I think that Absolutely. the, the people, the people that are the most um, at risk are professional politicians because there is a distrust for politics these days that is really most profound. And so that, um, you know, ergo our election and and it does feel as though the old school is going to have to retire. I, I and I don't think it's going to go calmly and quietly into the night. It's gonna it's gonna go with a fight that that is going to be not pretty in in this country. But but I, I think the other thing that I am so tickled with is that um, a lot of the um, a lot of the fables and a lot of the um, Things that the, the the government has has put out there that were meant to put us to sleep and and keep us quiet are are falling by the wayside. That that there is a, an awakening of consciousness and a questioning of the masses that is very profound. And the fact that they are waking up and asking questions and demanding answers, not just saying, you know, n- not not taking the it's it's secret or it's top secret or you can't have this information. I I, I feel that you know uh, uh, how many years a couple of years ago I fired the entire government and I put it on Facebook and I just I put it out there that you work for me and you're not doing what what I am asking you to do and you're not listening to my thoughts wishes and dreams. So go home, pack your bags, go home, and let's just restart and do it all over. And I have a feeling that partially that's what's happening here, that that um, it's a reorder. And, and I, I, I think when it wasn't last, it was, yeah, it was last year when I was doing the um, predictions for 16, for, for 2016, I told people I keep hearing fifes and drums, I keep hearing marching feet, and I am being reminded of the um, American Revolution. And and I keep be I keep hearing that that you know for those who don't pay attention to history they're doomed to repeat it and you know here we were you know um, being overwhelmed with taxes and here's King George King George is not King George but it's our it's our it's our it's our government and then you know the rebellion and we're seeing the rebellion and. It's not it's not with with bullets and muskets and stuff, but it's with words and manipulation. And it it is going on. We are going through a revolution of some sort. And 
you know, I still don't know who's going to win. I keep seeing balls in the air. So for me, that means that it hasn't been decided, but that it's going to be, a, like, like you said, entertaining, a good show, as long as you're not in the middle of it. Well, I mean, I, you know, what's happening from a from a electoral standpoint, I think, is that corporations are progressively getting stronger and stronger and stronger at defining the government. So it's, you know, it's in some sense a corporatocracy. You know, I think you could build a case of that. There's a lot of truth to that. So, so the average person, like when you went on strike and said the government's not really serving you, the cynical approach would be, like, you're not paying the government to serve you, and they're kind of going to the highest bidder. I think there's a lot of truth to that. So, so it becomes not so much um, a system whereby it's the collective wish, but rather an implementation of the most dominant power, which is a corporate power. So corporations are defining the ways in which law is interpreted, and they are defining the ways in which you know the economy is distributed, and the ways in which uh, choices are made. So it's the people are losing. What's fascinating to me, and again, this is an opinion, not you know as a psychic, but just as an average person. Mm-hmm. My opinion is that people are continually voting against their self-interest, and it surprises me. I, mean, it should, I shouldn't say it surprises me. It kind of astounds me. So this, I think, is going to be a very interesting year. I predicted kind of quietly, because I said it a couple times and it didn't go over well, that Trump would win. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a liberal kind of guy and nobody wanted to hear that, but I believed it was going to happen. And I also predicted that Trump would leave within his first term. We'll see if that happened. And then he would just go, like, I'm over it. I quit. I'm going to do something else. Um, I think that there are going to be a lot of huff and puff, but not much is going to happen. And so, so my opinion is that when when Trump shows up, it's going to be all hot and heavy, and all sorts of things are going to be proposed. But I don't know that they necessarily will actually take place. And so the stick-to-itiveness of it all is, is kind of fragile to me. I don't think it will be as much of a change as people might expect it to be. And so therefore, I'm not as worried as maybe other people might be. At the same time, I think that the economic system has tremendous problems and I think that it's inevitable those problems are going to surface. And when they do, there's going to be a pain threshold that happens for people. I don't know that it's necessarily a huge difference between, you know, one president and another, even though the rhetoric is different. I don't necessarily like, you know, Donald Trump the way he talks. I certainly don't appreciate him. But, um, but I think people will kind of make their way through it the best they can. I still think that Europe is the place where it gets hairy. And I think they are, in a way, their karma is the most whacked out 
and I think they suffer the most. But that's that's my opinion. I don't mean to just keep harping on the economy, but the economy tends to drive people's feelings of safety. Mm-hmm. And feelings of safety drive your emotion. If you feel safe, you're, you don't really worry so much. If you feel unsafe, then there's a lot of tension. Tension leads to conflict. Conflict leads to more problems. More problems lead to more tension. We get into a negative spiral. Things go bad fast. Um, I think that that can happen. So that's that's my opinion. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's an interesting one. It's going to be interesting to see how it works its way out. I mean, I, I would say that almost usually when anybody makes a prediction, a fragment of it is absolutely true. And, and you know, then it depends on just how close you are to the heart of it. So it's interesting. I've heard, um, we had an astrologer on a while back who swore that she felt that um, by December, that, that there would be either an assassination or an assassination attempt in the White House. And yeah, I, I never, I didn't buy any of that, and I don't. And, and so, you know, I've seen a lot of people, you know, whenever, because I make a lot of public predictions. Uh-huh. And so when people say stuff like that, inevitably somebody comes to me and what do I think about it? I don't pay too much attention to other psychics. I don't really care too much about other psychics, but, but when you start, I mean, what they predict. And the reason I say that is it's important for me to have my own vision and away we go. Mm-hmm. But if you let... The difference, I think, between a young psychic, an amateur psychic, and a sort of a more seasoned, older pro kind of thing is, is not so much that you're any more psychic, but that you found a way not to let your emotions flavor your interpretation, that you have a sense of neutrality. So if I'm reading a person and they remind me of someone I knew when I was, you know, 10 or 20 or whatever, and I start thinking about that person, then I've lost my objectivity towards the person in front of me. If I let my emotions influence too much in the ways in which I try to perceive things, then I can lose my objectivity. Um, I think that Donald Trump is going to get inaugurated. That put me in the minority with people. I thought he was going to win the election. That certainly put me in the minority with mm-hmm. people. And um, I think he's going to come in six guns blazing. But oh, I yeah. think he's going to have a lot of personal issues. You know, he to me, he's a train, train wreck. He's a reality TV show about to get real. And it would not surprise me to see him get divorced. That would be entertaining, because I expect that to happen. It would not surprise me to see him have ethical issues after Wazoo. That I expect to happen. It would not surprise me for him to become very frustrated um, and just say, I quit, I'm going to go, you know, build a golf course. I expect that to happen, too. We will know in a couple of years, right? Oh, yeah. If you're asking me to predict, I don't believe Donald Trump is going to get assassinated, but I do think that he's going to get divorced while he's president. Or he certainly, the process is going to start. I expect that he will literally resign. I predicted that the last pope, Pope Benedict, would quit. Mm-hmm. I said he's just going to one day quit. Basically, that's impossible. Well, one day he just said, I'm no moss, I'm done being pope. So, 
so when I said that, no one believed that that was impossible. You don't just retire from being the Pope. The same thing is not a precedent. President Nixon was run out. There's not a mm-hmm. precedent for people saying, you know, I don't like this job. It doesn't pay me enough. I'm, I'd rather go do something else. But I think that Donald Trump will be that person. I think that he will stop. Just quit. So, we'll, you know, time will tell. But it will but happen it if will. it's going to happen within this first term. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would think so. I, I, I can see his frustration because... Um, I, I can see that he would be frustrated because he's very used to being in total control, and he's not. The president is not in total control. So it's it's going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out. Um, and in, in looking at the future of the U.S., it, it does feel as though there are a lot of major shifts that are going to be taking place for sure. And the one major thing that, that, that I looked at, which – is a little off the, you know, beaten path, but it fe- it felt to me, and, and I, I kind of gauged it for the, the summertime, anywhere between the end of June and before the beginning of September, that we would that we would hear that the NASA program was really fraudulent and that, that the country had been working at interdimensional travel for the last 25 or 30 years and that that was actually how we were going to do um, whatever exploration that was out there. So, um, and I put that in writing, I'm pretty sure. And so that's going to be interesting. This is my new, this is instead of the new Madrid line going off, which I do believe it will. Um, I did feel that there were going to be more earthquakes in this country in, in unexpected places and that, um, there would be a shifting uh, of a lot of the population. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. It's kind of like, you know, you put yourself into that kind of zone where it's, you get this kind of information and you think sometimes, well, they're either going to think I'm terribly crazy or I'm terribly accurate. One of the other, one of the other things I said not too long ago on one of the radio shows was that really felt to me like there was going to be either a cabinet position or an appointed position created that dealt just with the tech, you know, the, the internet stuff. And someone said, well, that's already under Homeland Security. And I said, no, it feels like there's going to be a, another uh, position opened up that will deal just with the, the tech stuff. And, and apparently within the last couple of days, the last week, they did create a job for, I think, Giuliani that would be just the, you know, preventing us hopefully from being um, hacked, but I'm not sure that's possible. I think that that a system is, is created and, and the immediate challenge is to make sure you can hack it. So I, I don't know that if, I don't know that hacking is, is something we can do away with. I think it's, it's inevitable. When I, when I left being a psychic when I was in my late 30s uh, and went into being an IT analyst, I found it was really easy for me to be an IT analyst, and it was a combination of intuition and um, logic, and partly personality. A big part of being successful in business is the way that people like you or they don't like you. So... 
But when you do software implementations, there's a very distinctive way in which you control the release and you test to make sure that things are okay. And, and part of that is based on the way in which you analyze it and, and the way in which you, there are safeguards you put into it. There's a certain kind of mindset. Well, the mindset of the way in which people are talking about making these changes is totally antithetical to the way in which a business from a best practice standpoint would, would ideally release a new software implementation into their environment. So the potential for them to break something with the way in which they're going about it is very high. So, so I would think there's going to be a lot of frustration in that programs are decided upon, not really analyzed to see just how you would go about doing it, just decide we want it done and not really figure out how, and I think they're going to knock the walls down and break a lot of things. And that's going to cause a lot of frustration in that they're likely to try to push things through without really understanding the long-term implications of what you could break someplace else. An interesting thing about Giuliani is that a long time ago, someone had asked me about him, and I said, well, because they were talking about him running for president, if I remember correctly. I said, well, I think at one point, I think he kind of goes away, but I expect him to have, like, to be, like, have a comeback and be, like, you know, in the cabinet or something. So when he was up for Secretary of State, I was like all excited. I think, oh, my God, you know, that prediction's finally going to come true all these years later. <laughs> so I hope that he gets, you know, like you, I hope that he gets this position so that I can say, yeah, well, I said Giuliani would have a cabinet position. Well, there you go. Yeah, um, no, he, he was appointed, apparently, and it's it's an appointment so he doesn't have to be confirmed. So he's in, he's, he's in like Flynn, actually. So that's that's pretty interesting. I mean, it's, fascinating. What's really fascinating about watching Donald Trump, and you got to give the boy credit because he's, you know, doing something, is that he is breaking every ethical um, safeguard and people are, are somehow finding some new reality in which to accept it. It's super entertaining to me to see the ways in which evangelicals and Christians have found a way to ignore his past behavior and think that that's okay. It's fascinating to me to look at the ways in which his business interests and the people he's appointing, his children, whatever, that people don't go, you know, this is kind of a red flag to me. There's a reason we didn't let people do this in the past. Yet here we have some billionaire that's creating this thing, is it possible that his self-interests are somehow part of the game here? No one, I mean, it's like the emperor's new clothes. It's fascinating to me. And uh, that's why I think that there's going to be some serious complication in that he has a lot of rope, and God bless him that he's found a way to do this. But at the same time, that rope will hang him if things don't go well. And I if think, he comes in and isn't successful, they will turn on him very quickly. And oh, that's yeah. also what I expect to happen. I think his golden boy, you know, thing is short term 
and I expect him to have issues, serious issues. Um, well, from both yeah, sides. I, I, yeah, I can see that. I, I think that that the the general consensus was um, he was better than the alternative, and and you know there is hope that that that. I, I do believe that, that he genuinely loves the country. I don't believe at all that I get a feeling that he's doing this for profit and gain, though he'll have that. Um, I, I think he genuinely cares about, about what he's trying to do. I don't know if he has the stick to 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 write out some of the storms that are coming. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what's going to be fascinating about it, is to look at the way in which people are relating to him. In essence, they're having to rewrite the rules and the ways in which they relate to an American president. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And so, does he come in and make things happen? I think he will try. I mean, I think in some sense, you know, he has the potential to do a little of that. But if he comes in, the the leverage that he's using for himself, if he's not successful with it, that leverage will then be an excuse to hang him. And that's my prediction for him in terms of his, that's why I think that he will leave. I think he'll just be like, I'm just, you know, I'm over it and y'all don't understand me. I'm going to go home and have a good day. <laughs> well, if, if he does do that, he has one hell of a write-off for his income tax. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, um, it's going to get entertaining. I mean, it really, I mean again, that's, that's my opinion. I, I still believe that the real core issue is Europe and Turkey and southern part of Russia. Um I think that's where the action is, and I think that's likely to get dangerous. It would not surprise me to see tensions escalate in southern Russia. Yeah, um, I was going to. I was going to say the the part of the map that lights up for me is Russia, and and it's because of internal stuff, not external stuff. What do you, What do you mean by that? How do you mean that? Okay, when when I. Um, I look at, um, I, I, I envision the globe, and, and if I'm looking for a problem area or, you know, what's, what's happening here, I see Russia uh, lighting up. Now, that doesn't mean exploding, um, but, but to me that the lighting up signifies that there's internal problems here, that um, it, it does feel that there will be boots on the ground to some degree, and I don't, but I don't know whose boots because I don't believe that the UN is going to, I don't believe the UN is going to survive another decade. Um, it feels like it's going to be disbanded. Um, Which not, I think is a bad plan, but that's probably true. Okay. So. Yeah, it, no, it feels like the UN is, it, it, it's, 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 it's going to lose its power and people will lose its confidence in it and, and it will be disbanded. And it's the same like, you know, the one before the world, what was it? The, um, the one that Wilson put in. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that one didn't work either. Legal Thank you. And, and it, it does feel as though we're going to all become 
isolate again and then try to work together again. And this is probably, I'm looking at like a 10 to 20 year um, stretch here. I don't think it's all going to happen this year. But but what, what I'm feeling is that, that, that we are going to sort of try to reestablish our borders and, and not just the U.S., but all nations are going to reestablish their borders. And I don't believe our map is going to look any in 10 years. I do not believe the map will look anything like it looks today. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's probably true. And I think it's kind of a fascinating exercise when you look at you look at the ways in which people related to other countries, you know, like the way we were with Canada or, you know, Americans going to Europe in the 70s. All that's gone. Mm-hmm. I think it's sad that it's gone. So, so there is a distrust. And that distrust leads to issues. It's it's fascinating in one sense, too, that the act of distrusting actually raises tensions that might not be there were you more open to begin with, so that the act of protection becomes uh, an act of creating tension. Well, so, <clears throat> so I think and, it's going to get hairy. Well, yeah, I think it's going to get hairy. Well, what re- I mean, Russia for me is the big place to watch, but the next place would be um, China because I see China um, pulling in and becoming more isolationist than they were even before they became, you know, worldly or whatever. And it does feel as though it, it there will not be two Chinas at the end of the next decade. Do you think that Taiwan will be absorbed into China? Either that or to Japan. And and it, it it feels to me as though putting going together with Japan is going to be more to their advantage than to um, becoming a, a part of the mainland, so to speak. So and I'm not I am not geographically um, how do I well, put it? I mean yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not- you know, I mean, I know Europe and the you know, North America and South America pretty well, but you know, Asia and Africa, I'm not as good with, of course. But it does feel as though um, that, that there will be a back and forth and and that it it, it, it it comes in the middle between Japan and China and one or the other will absorb it. And it could be Japan, which would be very interesting. But armies are going to be built up. I, I know that for sure. Um, I, I hope not nuclear stuff, but, you know, you never know with that. Because we just, I, I know our military definitely will be built up. I, I think that we're going to see a lot of, of saber rattling. I don't, I don't feel that there will be a major conflict, but I think there will be a lot of minor ones. And the other place that I see problems is, is Israel. So, well, I mean, the, I mean, the, the problem, of course, in Israel or right around it, is that that's a very volatile space, uh-huh. and there is no. In order to make a change that's positive, you have to change the mindset, creating the change, right? So there's a very. The mindsets on all sides have a lot of history. And that history 
is static. So, so if you think about a family, I'm going to use this as an example, like the Hatfield and McCoys, whoever, if you think about the family dynamics, if you can't let go of what happened to you when you're in kindergarten, mm-hmm. or what you know Aunt Petunia did to Uncle Porky, <laughs> then that influences the ways in which you move forward. Mm-hmm. So in order to make a positive change, this goes back to what we talked about in the first hour, there has to be a sense that making a positive change is acceptable and something that you want to do. One of, one of the core complications, I think, in the world now is that people want what they want are very intolerant of anything that they don't want. So what that sets up in that particular state of being is antagonism and tension. The moderation is kind of a thing of the past. To me, the middle of the road was really the place to be. You know, Eisenhower would say, you know, the, the left and the right of the gutter is the only real place to be is in the middle of the road, right? You know, from a political standpoint. So uh-huh. getting back to Israel or getting back to wherever, if people don't change the ways in which they look at a problem, then they're going to be looking for solutions that fit their current state of mind. Because the tensions are escalating across the board for a variety of reasons. One of them being the United States will not be a stabilizing force, perhaps in the ways in which it might have been in the past. All those things are likely to exacerbate an already tense situation and make it more tense. So, so Israel, Palestine, Syria, it's complicated. Egypt, it's complicated. And to me, there is no mindset driving behavior that would alleviate the complication. To me, it's more um, set in stone what people want, and therefore the solution is less likely to happen to me. So as people become more adamant that it has to be a certain way, and they become more fearful that it won't be that way, then we often go into uh, strings of events that are disruptive. I would expect a lot of disruptive events in Israel. I I think it's going to be tense. Oh, yeah. Um, And I think the the biggest problem is, frankly, that, that... People are not paying attention to the fact that, that, you know, humanity as a whole is one family. And, and until we get that under, you know, until we all understand that. And somebody said that the, the thing that, that would bring this world together would be a threat from outside of this world. And I don't see that coming as much as, as I almost wish it would because it would mean that we would all work together. And and it just it doesn't feel like it's coming anytime soon. I, I have often said I felt that the Earth, as a cosmic entity, was in quarantine, and that they they didn't want us out there because we would be like an infection, because we are too warlike. And until we get over this 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 need for power, I think we're isolated on this planet. Well, again, it goes back to mindset 
and styles of engagement. Yeah. So right now, if you look at the family dynamic, lots of times people want, they feel bad about themselves. And they will often, rather than elevate themselves, they will look at someone that they can step on their head to make themselves appear taller. We see this in, you know, as a psychic and doing relationship counseling, right? You often see people get into abusive types of relationships, uh, especially women who have had histories of abuse as children, uh, some sort of either sexual abuse or verbal abuse. They, they lose the capacity to really see themselves and they are, there's a, there's a blindness to their ability to accept the real magic that they bring. So they often attract relationships with men who can't hang with them at full strength. And so the man will try to disrupt and make sure that the woman never really sees herself in her full power. So his goal is because he will not elevate himself, tries to pull the woman down so she doesn't see that she really shouldn't be in this relationship and moves on. That same kind of mindset happens on a more, you know, national level, global level. So, so when you feel bad about yourself, you will often try to point fingers at other people. That's why we tend to find a scapegoat, whether that's, if you, you know, the Jewish population in the 1930s or Islamic population in 2016, 17, whatever. Um, so, again, you know, I don't think we could have an alien invasion. And I I still think that we would have problems with people relating to one another (laughs) because their consciousness has not evolved. They're dealing with a crisis. So a crisis, if the house is on fire, we can all get together and, you know, you know, squirt water on it. Yeah. We can hang for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. If there's a flood, you know, you see neighborhoods come together, but they don't stay that way. So, Again, there has to be a change in consciousness to proceed a change in behavior. And external events typically do not drive changes in consciousness. They, they drive short-term crisis-related behavior, but you slip back into the old ways of being. Uh, for you and I, that's job security for us. Yeah. But, it's, yes. but it's not to the optimal advantage of an individual or a group. So until people make the decision that I'm not going to look for external validation of who I am because I feel bad about myself, but that I feel good about myself and I want to help other people, until that happens, we're always going to have these internal conflicts and we're going to have regional conflicts and we're going to have national conflicts. It's a mess. It's a hot mess. Um, so in places in which people feel um, that they're not getting their way and they're fearful, they're likely to have, again, tension leads to conflict, conflict leads to more tension, and we've got a mess. And so I think that the political system, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of cat fighting, a lot of messes. And that's just really what I think. I mean, I think that you can see that in the United States, and there's going to be a lot of tension in the United States. It would not surprise me to see the United States split up. Not this week, but it wouldn't surprise me at some point. Um, it's a lot of, there's a lot of things that could happen. Um, but it's not the same old, same old. And, and, the, and the stakes are much higher now. Um, I, I think 
again, to me, the 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 optimal word for 2017 is tension. I think there's going to be a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. And, and if you can't hang with tension, you're going to have a bad year. That's my belief. Well, I would I, tend I, to I agree with you. Sense. Oh, no, it does. It does. And, you know, every time there's change, there's a lot of disruption. And, and being able to flow with all of that going on, I think that's one of the biggest problems that's going to hit humanity is that, okay, we're at a time of change. There is change coming. And, you know, if you're, if you're up for the ride, it, it can be a great one. And if you're not up for the ride and if you want the status quo, you're going to have trouble. Because this is not a choice. This is something that is apparently charted, um, so that so that to be able to bring us into a time of balance. And I'm not sure any of us know what balance is anymore. To be honest with you. Well, I mean that right there is the issue. Okay, and I think that that's a statement of fact. I think it's really uh, a reflection of a lot of things that come to, again there's no there's no compromise button for a lot of people there is no it's we see this in the ways in which we engage with one another you look at the level of civility people are uh, re- more rude than they used to be they are um, you know we see this online and you know it's it's definitely an us and them kind of thing I, I you know it's it's fascinating it's sad but it's kind of fascinating um, yeah, it 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 is it is definitely that. And in in looking at, you know, I look at levels of consciousness. I look at people who have a greater uh, awareness of, as to this reality and the direction they're going. And and I've been very fortunate over the last many decades to really have dealt with mostly people who were getting their acts together and and you know were interested in becoming better people. And every now and then when I run up against someone that, that, you know, has absolutely no intent on changing their ways, they want the old ways and that's all they want and they don't want to hear anything. But, but those people are out there and, and uh, they are making their, their voices heard these days in, in a way that, that I'm shocked by. Um, I was, I, I, I'm overwhelmed at, People not accepting what's happening and, 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 you know, going on strike and threatening to leave the country. I've, I've not heard this ever before in any election. You know, I've heard disappointment and I've heard, you know, rumblings, but never, never to this degree. And uh, it is mind boggling. And happily, I realize that this is a cycle and that we will get through this cycle and get into another one shortly but um there yeah, are you, elements. Can't, you can't attach to it too much you have to look at it is that it is um it's like a drive-by kind of thing right so so the way in which you relate to it you know so uh so a crisis to one person is an opportunity to someone else you know mm-hmm. that's to that person is you know something you don't pay attention to so you can change the way in which you relate and you'll find that it doesn't have the same impact. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of truth to that. But but opportunities to practice your evolution, I think people have those. And I don't think that that's necessarily what they would ideally want. 
Uh, I do think that 2017 for a lot of people will be a tremendous year. I'm sort of hoping that 2017 is a good year for me. But but across the board, I think there will be political and economic tension that's not much fun. And I think there is a kind of a heaviness and uh, uh, a combativeness that's, that's unusual. I mean, I think well, there's going to be a lot of, you know, like fights in the street kind of energy. And they just have that kind of on. I, and and I think that, that you're absolutely right. It's the perception. It's how we perceive it that will determine whether we enjoy this trip or struggle with it. And frankly, I will always choose for the let's make it fun. Um, it's, you know, a lot of the things that are going to be happening are not fun, but, but there are positive ways to look at them and, and to deal with them. And it's our choice. And, and everybody has that choice. It's that, you know, nobody is, nobody has a gun to anybody's head. It's, it's, you, you choose which way you want to react to it and you choose what you want to become your reality. I just noticed the time. We are so close to the end of the show, and I, I did want to thank you so much for being so kind oh, well, to come on. thank you for inviting me. It was, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Well, it's, it's always, for me, a pleasure to talk to somebody else that, that you know, speaks my language. So um, it's, it's, it's always a joy to share philosophies and, and get stuff out there so other people can understand that we're struggling just like everyone else is. But um, yeah, I mean, it's been fun. I, I like doing these. I've done a lot of them. It's always kind of a good time. And this is, um, you know, I don't mean to be sort of a wet noodle here about about you know 2017, but I think that, but those are things I think are happening. So definitely, thanks again, Sam Andrew. It's been a pleasure. You have a good week. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye bye. Yeah. DeLong, host of Nightlight Radio, inviting you to join me on a cosmic journey, exploring a metaphysical montage of spiritual material, covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between, including spiritual readings for those who seek enlightenment. Let Nightlight provide you with equal measure of light, love and laughter, insight, wisdom, and inspiration. Monday nights, 10 to 12 p.m. Eastern, right here on Studio B, Revolution Radio, at freedomslips.com.